0: Have you ever seen videos on Facebook where someone discovers a quirky little kid with an amazing talent or a viral video that launches the person into superstardom? Today, Pastor Jeff's message, entitled The Big Event, has everything to do with our desires to be found. That one day we would get invited to be pulled out of the crowd and become everything we ever dreamed of. Pastor Jeff challenges these ideas by asserting that we need no other big event than deciding to make Jesus first and Jesus always. Enjoy this message from Pastor Jeffrey Smith. In Jesus' name. Turn with me to Luke chapter 12 verses 16 through 19. I am on, I, I have never done a series with this many parts. This is part 7 of uh, an enormous series called Jesus First, Jesus Always. It's based on my book that just came out I am doing a message each week on each chapter. Ten chapters in the book. This is week seven, so I'm on chapter seven this week. Our text is found in Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 19. Jesus is telling a story, and it goes like this. The farm of a certain rich man produced a terrific crop. He talked to himself, what can I do? My barn isn't big enough for this harvest. Man, what a great problem. Isn't that awesome when you're... Things are going so well that you would have to say something like, wow, This bank account is only insured up to $250,000. I have so many millions of dollars that I have to separate it in chunks of 250,000 just so that money can be insured. It's too much success. This guy has had so much success. His plan has worked so well. He's having to diversify and come up with a brand new plan. And he says, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll gather in all my grains and goods and I'll say to myself, self, you have done well. You've got it made and can now retire. Take it easy and have the time of your life. I normally read the whole scripture and then I pray and then I come back and I explain the scripture. I do an exegesis of the particular words in the scripture and tell you what they mean in the Greek and explain the context of it so we can go on that journey together. I'm gonna mix up my formula a little bit today because I don't even want you to wait And I don't want you to miss out on the point of this scripture before I get into the heart of the message. This guy has these barns, so many crops that he's got to build a bigger barn and he wants to retire. In the next verse, verse 20, it says, Just then God showed up and said, Fool, tonight you die and your barn full of goods, who gets it? Then Jesus says, That's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. Okay, now hold on, hold on. What I want to explain is this. I have heard people teach this inappropriately. They have taught, and I've actually heard sermons on this, where people say that because the guy built his barn for himself and not for God, that his punishment was death. That is, that is, that is so not right. It's not even funny. That has nothing to do with the point that is trying to be made here. This point is about the fact that we have a God that sees the beginning to the end because he is the what? I'll let you say it. He is the, oh, this church is so dope right here. He's the alpha, and I'm not gonna go through all of them, but you're doing really good. He sees the beginning and the end because he is all of those things. What he is doing is he's looking at this guy's plan. And in his foreknowledge of eternity, he sees the day that this guy is going to die because God knows the beginning from the end. He knows what all of our time is in his foreknowledge. It's not that he's causing it. The point is not that, oh, you say you're going to build a bigger barn? I'm going to kill you. It's not like that. That's not the point of the story. What God is saying is, dude, I'm looking at your timeline here. You have a heart attack tonight. I'm looking at your timeline here. There's, you pull out in front of a bus on this day. It's not a good choice. It's sad, but it's, it's just what's going to happen in terms of eternity. Your plan doesn't look very smart when you realize right around the corner it's all going to be over with and you've been building a life toward yourself and not for God. So that is, that is the meaning of the. I'm not going to pray right now and tell you to leave. Uh, But but, Although that brings some some meaning to to our text, I want to build on this idea with chapter 7 of the book called The Big Events. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for every person here right now. I speak right now to discord in families. I speak to uneasiness in people's soul and in their heart right now. I speak to sickness, to brokenness. Lord, to oppression. Uh, to depression today, to demonic activity, to, to diseases, to illnesses, anything in this room that does not line up with who Jesus say, says that we are, I tell it to leave right now in Jesus' name. I speak peace over every heart and every life in this place, that the peace that surpasses all understanding, it means it doesn't make sense. It's unreasonable peace that would fill our hearts, fill this room, fill our lives with hope, Bend our hearts toward heaven and help us to receive a word today that can change our future because of how good you are. We thank you for that today in the name of Jesus. And every single person in the room said, Amen. Have you ever had a goal or a dream or some big event in your life that was floating around out there? that in your mind, if you could just accomplish this one thing, this one particular thing, if it could just happen, that you would feel like your whole life was worth it. Have you ever had something that's that big? Raise your hand if you've ever had some big event that's floating around that you thought, oh gosh, if I could just get my degree, if I could just get that hot girl to like me. If I could just get that job, if I, I just want that job so bad I put it, if I could just do that, oh, if I could just sell my house, it has been on the market for three years. If I could just get this one thing, you have this moment that you just feel like maybe it's a car that you've wanted really bad. Maybe it is a wedding that you've wanted really bad. It's just something, some big event. Maybe it's winning the lottery. I'm not sure, maybe it's a particular thing that you have just fantasized that if you have this one particular thing that happens, and for those of you that didn't raise your hand, I know you've got one too, you just didn't want to admit it. You have this thing in your life that you just think to yourself, if this could just happen, this one thing, I would feel validated on every level and I could live the rest of my life in peace and happiness knowing that it was all worth it. Did you know that I had a big event scenario like that when I was younger? I used to have this dream that I was at a concert. Not just any concert, but the concert of my favorite singer growing up. A singer that many people in this room will not even know who he is because you're too young. His name is Michael McDonald. And I I dreamed that I was at a Michael McDonald concert. And at the last song of the night in a packed out stadium, I was on the front row and my favorite song came on. And it sounds a little something like this. <laughs> and Michael McDonald would come into the microphone and say, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but I have a sore throat. Is there anyone in this building that can come up here and hold it down for me? And I would say, I'll try. He'd say, come take the microphone, young man. And I would say, I keep forgetting we not in love anymore. Things will never be the same again. I keep forgetting how you made it so clear. I keep forgetting. It. Wild. And, and I, would, I would just say, I would say, look, I know I'm not Michael McDonald, but I did the very best that I could do. And then he would walk out to the crowd and say, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to sign this young man to a record deal. <laughs> and then my whole future would be set and the whole world would discover me. And I would not make babies cry ever. I, I feel bad for the little baby. Everyone, everyone look at the little baby and say, oh, she's beautiful. Oh, she's sweet. She's sweet. But you know what? That never happened. My big event scenario never happened. I never had a moment that that single moment got me the kind of satisfaction that I hoped it would. You know what's funny is that even if I did, it wouldn't have given me the kind of satisfaction that we hope for from these big events. Because big events, while they may seem magical when you're hoping for them, rarely ever have the power to transform your life in the way that you had imagined that they would. In the scripture, we've got this story of this guy that thinks this big event, it's reaching a certain dollar amount. Uh, being able to have all the money you need. And I think in the back of our minds, especially in Western culture, we sort of have this idea, even if it's not in the front of your mind, it's probably in the back of your mind that our goal is to work as hard as we can to make enough money and have enough influence and power and money that someday you can retire and do whatever you want to do. It's in most of our minds somewhere, even if you don't realize it, if you really break it down and reduce it to the bottom line is we want to be able to do whatever we want, whenever we want, retire and live the kind of life that we want to live. So really this story is not a story about some rich dude with a barn. It's really a story about us, isn't it? It's really a story about what happens when we try to build our lives toward us instead of toward God. And what Jesus is trying to teach us is that while we may not die tomorrow, in Jesus' name, none of us will, what he's trying to tell us is that the end comes for everybody. And whether it's tomorrow or 70 years from now, if you've built a life toward yourself, then all you've built is for nothing if it's not for Jesus. He's trying to teach us that the plans that we have in our heart While they may seem noble, they're rarely ever for kingdom purposes. That's why, you know, when you read Proverbs 19, 21, many are the plans in a man's heart, but the Lord's purpose prevails. It's not our heart's purpose that prevails. It's the Lord's purpose that prevails. That's why it's scary to to follow that mantra. Oh, follow your heart. Oh, I want to go do this. Oh, follow your heart you know, I have this dream to just follow your heart, dude. That's amazing. Father. And people, you know, Instagram, follow your heart. It's like the Bible says that the heart is like wicked above all things. Why would you ever want to follow a heart that is so easily swayed by this and that? One day your heart wants this. Oh, now I hate this and now I want that. But follow your heart. Following your heart will lead you to a pitiful, miserable life. What you have to do is follow your spirit. You gotta make sure that the Holy Spirit downloads into you what heaven is saying, and when your spirit gets full, then your spirit will fill your heart up. Then you can follow your heart because your heart is being influenced by heaven. So that's the problem is we wanna follow our heart. Our, our heart will lead us down a path of destruction every single time. And we start believing that life is about possessions and about things. When your purpose is wrapped up in your possessions, you possess no true purpose. When your purpose is wrapped up in your possessions, you, tr- you possess no true purpose. We need to live our life intentionally with purpose. Think about Job. Job kind of lived the life that this guy was talking about. Job was so rich. He had everything. He had the hottest wife. He had the best looking kids. He had cars, houses, resorts. Uh, He had, uh, you know, a cabin in the woods. He had a, a, a beachfront townhouse. He literally had everything this world had to offer. And what happened in one day, he lost everything. He lost it all. All that he had built his life toward because he wasn't building it toward God. He was building it toward himself. He was making his life about some pinnacle moment that he would get enough and accumulate enough where somehow magically he would find this peace and satisfaction that will not come outside of Jesus. I am trying to save you some heartache today. For those of you that are so deeply in pursuit of that one thing, and I don't know what that thing is, but you do. But I will tell you today that there is absolutely no feeling in this life that will bring you true fulfillment. There is no achievement in this life that will bring you true fulfillment. There is no ceremony in this life that will bring you true fulfillment. There is no experience in this life that will bring you true fulfillment. There is no degree in this life that will bring you true fulfillment. But there is a single person that will bring you true fulfillment, and his name is Jesus Christ. Somebody should give God a shout if you believe that today. The only big event guaranteed to change your life is the second that we realize, the moment we realize that we cannot live another instant without letting the love of Jesus be our everything. That is the only big event guaranteed to change your life. Make that the big event today. Make the big event be this moment. Realize everything's been building up to this everything's been building up. You say, what is this? I mean this right now. What's happening in this room? This word, this message, this Bible, this truth, the word of God written miraculously, God speaking through prophets, writing it thousands of years ago, and a white boy from Alabama that's up here, and you have no reason why you're even listening to me. I'm sharing this truth of God's word with your heart, and your heart is getting woken up right now and set on fire with the revelation that everything you've been working toward is going to let you down, but Jesus will never let you down this is the big event it doesn't get any bigger than this it do- stop waiting to get invited on oprah it's not going to fix you it's not going to fix what's missing inside your soul when you lay down in bed at night and say what's wrong with my life what's wrong with my life is you keep trying to get more 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 but the more you actually get the less you actually feel good about yourself That's why a few years ago, when Tom Brady, I don't even like saying that name in this room. That's right. TB was on 60 Minutes. This guy has won, I think he had won four Super Bowls at this time when I saw this interview. He is like a good looking guy. I mean, it looks like he could be a model. He is a stinking quarterback for a hugely popular team for Super Bowls. He has been the MVP of the league. He has been the MVP of the Super Bowl. He is on commercials. He makes that contract. I think he made $175 million. If that's not good enough, his wife is a supermodel who makes twice as much money as he does. Things are like working out for this guy pretty well. And in this interview, he sits down and gets quiet after hearing all of his accomplishments read to him. And he goes, yeah. He goes, and, and, and the last time I won one, I thought to myself, after all this stuff that you've just said, there's got to be more to life. That's interesting. That's interesting right there. You know, uh, some of the friends that have been here the last few weeks are, you know, just guys that God has opened up the opportunity for them to speak into a lot of people's lives. Uh, Chris Pratt, Justin Bieber, uh, the Kardashians, Kanye West, these are guys that are, that God has just opened up the opportunity for them to speak into those people's world and you can say whatever you want. I, I hate when people try to make commentary on people that they don't know their story, they don't know what it's like to walk through things. But I've heard some of these guys. I've, I've been next to some of these people that I'm talking about, sitting next to them in conference in Sydney, watching tears roll down their face, seeing them lift up their hands, hearing them in conversations at dinner, talking about how empty life is when you get everything that the world has to offer and you wind up hopeless uh, in the morning and you have everything that the world can give you, but you still have nothing and you know that you need Jesus and you've got to reach for Jesus. If they are able to say that after reaching that level of success, what makes us think that we're going to be able to reach some pinnacle? What makes us think that we're any different than they are? That we would be able to be happy or satisfied or ever have enough of anything that's good. We have to, we have to stop that. We have to stop right now. We have to listen to this story that Jesus just told us about what our lives truly look like if we're raw and real and honest with ourselves, that we're building a big barn. And our goal is to tear down the barn and build a bigger one. And our goal is to get that barn as full as we possibly can so that we can retire and we can do whatever we want to do. We have to admit that that plan stinks. That instead of worrying about the size of the barn, we just have to say, God, thank you for this barn that you've given me. You gave it to me, and Jesus is the center of my life with this barn. If this barn grows, Jesus is the center of my life. If this barn stays the same, Jesus is the center of my life. If this barn gets a little smaller, Jesus is the center of my life. But I'm happy with who I am. I'm happy with who you've called me to be because I'm going to put Jesus in the middle of everything that I do. That's what the big event really is. The big event is that moment of your life where you have a revelation That's the true big event, where you have a revelation. You can't go on living this way. Stop waiting. You know, you may get a big event in your life, but it might not be the one that you were hoping for. It might be a bad thing. Like David. David's big event, where he made a decision that he was going to live for God forever, and he was never going to go back to the old life, came after he saw a woman that he found incredibly attractive. He found out she was married. He was so intently focused on on being with her that as the king, he talked to the the, the captain of the army. He said, take this dude out to battle and put him on the front lines. Don't kill him, but let him die in battle so it looks like that he died a a death in in war. That's called murder. David murdered this man so he could sleep with his wife and marry her and take her, her as his own wife. Well, their baby, who meant a lot to him, and to her died as a result of his sinful behavior he knew that it was on him he knew that he was responsible for this and he laid down on his face and wept for days and days and days and couldn't get up and finally he made a decision this is the big event for me he made a decision I have reached the lowest point that I can possibly reach. I've tried to get everything in my own power. It has not worked out for me. He washed his face. He got up out of his misery, and you know where he went? Church. He went to church. He went to worship. He said, I'm going to go worship God, and I'm never going back to that old life again. Did you know that I had a big event situation that was similar in my life that came from a painful situation, not a good one? Many of you don't know this about me. I'm 46 right now, but the first day that we ever had church here, I was 13, I had been out, I spent the night with a friend of mine uh, when we lived over in Winter Garden. This guy lived in Windermere and his family was really rich. They they lived in these big houses and partied and I I was meeting a lot of new people over there and uh, I went to this party and I got drunk. At 13 years old, I got drunk at a party and this guy had hit his girlfriend who was, he was a junior in high school at West Orange. He was on the football team. I was only 13 years old and I thought this girl was so beautiful. I had a crush on this girl and he he pushed his girlfriend at the party and in front of the whole party, I walked up, I said, if you ever touch her again, I said, I'll beat you into a pulp. I was just—I was like a skinny third. I had never even fought anyone before. He goes, he goes. I'll—I'll I'll kick your butt right now in front of this whole party. I said, let's go. I took my shirt off. Like I'm standing there at this party. This guy just destroyed. This guy beat me down into the ground. Like he beat my face up. I—the I, first time I showed up to this church, the first time my family ever came onto this property, I was hungover, and I had a black eye. Okay. I'm now the pastor of this church. <laughs> I'm now the pastor of this church 30, 33 years ago. If that doesn't tell you, first of all, never give up on people. Never, never judge a person when they walk you. Uh, I hate being an old man that cry. I, I literally never used to cry at anything. And every week, Every week there's something that, that goes on here, and it, it, I, I don't try to do this. If you think that, the, like the cry, like cry at at moment 32, <laughs> cry, it's, it's so not in there. I, I, I actually am actually going to start writing, don't cry when you say this part. <laughs> but my point is, how can we how can we judge a, a person that comes in that, yeah, we're all messed up, we're all broken. We all have made terrible decisions. That's how we come into this place. We come in here because we need hope. A couple of years later, I'm trying to find my way. I wanted to be in ministry, but I was still stupid. I was young. I was 16. I went to the mall with my friend. I had hundreds of dollars in my pocket. My dad gave me money to buy like an awesome suit uh, for prom. I'm with a buddy of mine, and he says to me, Hey, I dare you to steal that pair of socks. I was a good kid. I'd never done anything wrong. I said, no, I'm not going to steal those socks. And this guy is not like some derelict guy. This is one of the most... Today, this is one of the wealthiest, most successful guys I know in any of my circles. He is... He has massive influence on this country in a way that I, if you knew, you wouldn't even believe it. So, this is not a dumb guy. Like he's a, we're both pretty smart guys. But I was in more. How many people know you can have intelligence but be a fool? Uh, I think I had some intelligence, but I was a fool. He said, I dare you to steal that pair of socks. I go, no, I'm not. That's stupid. I have no desire to steal. It. I've got money. And they were Ralph Lauren polo socks. And, and, and by the way, back in the day when you wore Ralph Lauren polo socks, this is horribly tacky, but you wore shorts and you pulled the socks up to here, the little polo guy right here, and you had boots, and you wanted people to see it so bad that if your friend was standing here, you'd be like, hey, what's up, man, how you doing? Yeah, Everything well today? Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, you want to see a little polo guy? So there's like a way that you wore it. It's like, anyways, I, just like an idiot, I, I, he goes, yeah, I thought, you, I thought that you were afraid. He goes, I, I thought you, I go, first of all, I'm not afraid. I was like, I'm not afraid, I just don't want to do it. He goes, yeah, that, whatever, you're afraid. I was like, okay, fine. And I let myself, so I walk over, I take the socks, I put them in my pocket. I walk out into the parking lot, and a security guard, which I didn't know was a security guard, throws his hands on me, so I punch him. And I, didn't, I, didn't, I thought a guy was attacking me. My dad always said to defend yourself if, if you feel like someone is, you're in a threatened situation. So now I get taken into a back room. I get They call the cops, they arrest me. I got handcuffs on, put me in the back of a cruiser, take me downtown Orlando to grown-up jail, take my shoelaces off. This still disturbs me. They took my shoelaces off. I'm thinking, what does this mean? Do people normally kill each other with shoelaces? I don't know. Is this, I don't understand the jail system very well. Like, and I'm, in the, I'm in the cell, and there's a man in there with a beard. You should never put a 16-year-old boy in a place with a guy with a beard. It's really scary, I'm just telling you. I was freaked out. My dad comes and picks me up. And I was so humiliated even to see my dad's face. And, you know, he's, like, smiling, and I wanted him to, like, yell at me, and he wouldn't yell at me. He has this peaceful look on his face. We get in the car, and he's driving me home, and he won't say anything. He's just, just smiling. And, and, and I go, Dad, what? i like, what? Say something. Are you, am I going to military school? Like, what's going on right now? Do I, am I allowed to live here anymore? And he, he's like, son... He's like, this just, it's just not you. He said, this is not who you are. He said, it's not who you're called to be. It's not who you're going to be. It's just not you. Oh, God, the pain of those words. It would have been so much easier if he would have yelled at me and said, You idiot. I gave you $200. Did you know that's all he said? And I went home that night because my father, And I want to say this very clearly about my story. Because my father affirmed who I was supposed to be in one of the worst moments of my life, that moment, instead of becoming an event that led me to a life of continuing to do that, challenged me that Jesus has a greater purpose for my life. And I made a decision that night. I said, I will make mistakes in my life. Certainly, I will do dumb things in my life. But I am never going to a life where I leave Jesus out of my future. I'm going to serve him for the rest of my life. And that became, my Jesus, that became my big event. It became my big event. It's not super easy to stand up and tell your church that you've been arrested and all this stuff. I, I, why am I doing it? Or, or you, you got drunk when you're 13 years old. I'm not trying to lose respect with kids here. I'm not trying to lose respect with parents. I'm just trying to give hope to people that maybe you've given up on yourself. And you think that you're disqualified from the goodness and the grace of God. you got tattoos? Good. You've got scars? good. You've got battle stories, good. That's the stuff God can use. The, the stuff God has trouble using is people that come in acting like they're perfect, and they spend their whole life pretending and putting up a pretense that they can never live up to, but you eventually find out about it anyway, and their whole world comes crashing down. Why not admit up front that we're the guy in the story? We're the one building the barn for ourself, and we don't realize we're building it to our own demise. Everything we're trying to accumulate to spend on ourselves. We're gonna all, our life is gonna end eventually, and if we built it for ourselves, we missed the whole point. Why not make a decision today? Today is my big event. Today is the moment that God uses this message to help propel me into my future. My best friend, Dave, when he died of cancer a, a few years ago, he was only 28, he was an associate pastor at this church, for those of you who don't know the story, He was going to help me run this church. He calls me on the phone right when I took over and said, I have cancer. He did not live very long. It was one of the rarest kinds of cancer ever. I filmed him a couple of weeks before he died. He was gaunt and thin. His voice was shaking as he looked into the camera. Do you know what he said? It's one of the reasons I wrote this book shaking and barely strong enough to even get the words out. He was looking into the camera at you. He said, stop waiting for some big event that will come along, that will change your life and make you the person you think you are, ought to be. This is the big event. I'm echoing those words to you today from someone who's like that story, their day was very soon. He got it, though. Dave, Dave flipped his whole world around the end. He said, I better make this thing about Jesus right now because I'm praying for a miracle. I'm believing for a miracle. But I may not get a miracle. He said that. I may not get my miracle. And if I don't, then I have to make it about Jesus from this day forward. What I'm asking you to do today is to recognize that you have some big event that you've been waiting for. It's not going to work. I'm asking you to recognize today that the big event does exist, and it's staring you in the face right now, and it's called Jesus First, Jesus Always. Thank you so much for listening to the City of Life Church Podcast. If City of Life has blessed you in any way, please consider giving by heading to col.tv and clicking on the Give tab. Have a great week.